was January 9th, 2010. No, it was January 8th, 2010. And Jess and I, um, my wife, Jesse, and I were, uh, we were living in Ukrainian village in this small garden apartment about the size of this podium. And, and I was working downtown. I was working uh, fine dining at a restaurant called the Chicago Chop House. And I, it had been a particularly hard night, just a late night. It was uh, just before midnight when I was getting home, and uh, it, it was like three degrees outside. It was just one of those Chicago winter nights where I had worked really hard. And I came in, and Jess was 10 days past her due date for our first child, Amelia. She is a mom ninja. And... I came in and, you know, I'm just kind of sitting on the couch. You know, the thing, when I, when I used to work in restaurants, I would get home so late, my, I, I, I couldn't just come home and go to bed because my mind is just, you know, and so take the bus, the train home, and I just would sit on the couch. It would usually take me like at least 45 minutes to an hour to just decompress. And I'm starting to do that and just relaxing and just, it's like, it's like 12, 12, 15 now, and we're, we're going to go to bed soon. And Jess, who's sitting on the other couch, goes, my water just broke. <laughs> and I was like, what? And all of a sudden, everything I had learned, everything, <laughs> everything that I thought I was so prepared for, because I was so prepared, you know, <laughs> so prepared, just went out the window. And we started, started freaking out. We had to pull ourselves together. And, and it suddenly occurred to me that for real, for real, for real, for real, <laughs> Amelia Jubilee Lusk was coming like a freight train, and there was nothing we could do about it except welcome her into the world. So we kind of gathered ourselves. We called the midwife, not the show, just, the, just actually did it, started going to the hospital, and the hospital where she was going to be delivered was in Oak Park, and so we were driving, and Chicago Avenue, I don't know if you remember this at the time, um, but Chicago Avenue uh, has been, like, newly paved from, like, Kedzie all the way out to Oak Park, like, in the last year or so. And it's, like, it's beautiful. It's just smooth. Back almost seven years ago, it was not that way. It was, like, you know, Bosnia a little bit driving through the, you know. It just, it, so I'm thinking to myself, Jess is moaning. She's feeling every little thing. So I'm going to go on to Augusta, a smaller street. We're just going to take that out. And I am probably doing 60 on Augusta. <laughs> And running every red light and probably things that I wish not be on this recording. But like, (laughs) the point is, I was so in the moment. I was so going, 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 going. And then we we walked in and and Jess is just like, I mean, Amelia was on her way. It was her first, obviously our first child, um, her first pregnancy. And the, the, from water breaking to baby being born was seven and a half hours. And for those of you who have experienced pregnancy or been around someone who's experienced pregnancy, that's a fast first labor. It's really fast. So we were hustling. And I found myself throughout the night having these sort of arresting moments where in the midst of being a part of something I had never been a part of before, I literally had, well, I mean, I had been a part of it once on August 13th, 1981, but I don't really remember that much about that time. And I, I just... I found myself in all of these moments sort of just taking stock quickly, (laughs) 
but taking stock nonetheless and just remembering what's going on because something amazing was occurring and I wanted to sort of see where I was in all of it and remember. And then if you've met Amelia, you know, obviously everything was fine. Amelia came. She was born January 9th, 2010. It was four degrees that morning and we drove her home, which is why she says to me still to this day, Daddy, I don't get cold. I'm a Chicago girl. Uh, which melts my Florida boy heart. Um, But the reason why I bring up that story is I think we're at somewhat as a church and probably for a lot of you as individuals, we're at a take stock moment. We're at a take stock moment. Uh, For us, especially in the series that we've been preaching through, the series entitled Christ in Me, Continuing the Supernatural Ministry of Jesus. And it's been an amazing series so far. I, I hope you feel that way. I hope you've, you've been impacted not only by the teaching up front, but the ministry time that we've had together as a body, ministering over one another, seeing what the Lord has been doing in each other's lives, not only just in each other's lives, but through us into each other's lives. Isn't that amazing? It's a continuance of the supernatural ministry of Jesus. So God has been at work supernaturally. And I just want to pause for just a moment and say, does anybody want to come up really quick and share a testimony of anything that the Lord has done over the last two or three Sundays? Anybody? I'm going to be that guy again. Ah, James, just making us come forward, inviting anybody to come up and speak. Anybody? Chris, come on up. Mark, can I grab the mic? Thanks. And once one does it, I know there's more of you, so... Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Morning, family. Um, this happened last Sunday, but it's also happened several times before. Um, I'm often too active for my own good, and my knees or my ankles or something goes out. But um, the Nelsons, right before I went on a holiday, I was going to be biking and swimming. I had some knee problems. Within about five hours, they were gone. Wow. I was fine and started a cold last Sunday, and Lisa and Courtney prayed over me, and I could feel in about six hours it was gone. I mean, I don't think I have to go to the doctor anymore. Um, It's just, and I believe that they will heal me, and they do. And I'm proactive. I try to take care of myself, but um, it never ceases to amaze me. So thank you. Thank you for your healing powers and being conduits for us. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Anybody else? Anything, small, big, something that the Lord has done. Anybody? Aaron Foster. That's two for the girls, zero for the guys. So just throwing that out there. Show up. I just, last week, I think Sharita shared her picture, and then um, she later posted an actual rendering of it on Facebook. Is she right here? She's in Groundbreakers. Okay. Um, she had this picture of just healing power shining through our hands and rivers of living water with words coming out of our mouth. And in her sharing the art itself and me catching it on Facebook or text or something, um, she, I was walking through the street taking my girls to a camp, and I just felt like every single conversation I overheard was like so hurtful and hurting. Like people were just hurting. And every single time I passed, it was you know, relationship conflict or someone was discussing a disease. I just felt like every single person I like overheard is just pain. And that picture immediately popped in my head and it it changed the way I walked. Um, 
I started, I noticed I stood up straighter and I started looking at people in the eye and just smiling at them. (laughs) So I didn't actually do anything, but I just noticed how differently I walked and believed that God was, and I could feel God kind of like, I'm just walking among the people. You should know it. And it was just really good for my heart and it changed my posture towards people. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Anybody else? Yeah, Matthew, come on up. Two to one. Hello. Uh, So I came last Sunday, and it's kind of a personal testimony as well. I sat all the way in the back. I think I was literally in the back seat. Um, I didn't want to be here, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm just in a crazy, funky mood. I just don't want to be here. I'll sit all the way in the back so I don't have to talk to anybody or interact with anyone. And when the prayer time came up, It was interesting because I was like, well, I'll just kind of wander up and kind of see what's going on. And there was a group over here, and there was a person that was really getting ministered to and and had tears in her eyes. And and I was just watching what was happening, and it really ministered to me because I thought, you know, this is real. This is like, you know, people are really getting encouraged, and it sort of indirectly affected me, and I felt encouraged because you know, a lot of times you come to church and you can't, you feel like you can't really tell someone, hey, I, I don't want to even be here. You know, someone's like, how are you doing? You're like, well, I don't even want to be here. Or, you know, it's like not the normal thing you, you typically say when you're at church, but some days you don't want to be at church. You know, you don't want to talk to anyone. You just want to isolate yourself. And so, um, so I was encouraged. And, uh, and then I think the rest of the week, you know, having everyone pray for one another, uh, and not just like a designated, you know, ministry team up at the front was really awesome. And, and I thought, you know, I should find someone, you know, to pray for throughout the week. And I awesome. can't even remember if I did, but, um, but it's, it gets contagious, you know. So, uh, yeah, so that's my, my testimony. That's awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Come on, come on, come on up. That's right. See, when you don't have a sermon, you ask for testimonies. <laughs> Um, so a couple Sundays ago, Jonathan shared a word about like a tingling in someone's like chest and arm. And I have often experienced that with my career. When I get nervous, um, I feel it in my chest and my arm. And so I was prayed over by a bunch of people and the, the Lord showed me that this fear and anxiety, especially with career type things, has been allowed to be in control for a long time. And I had been in agreement with those things. Um, And through that prayer time, he just showed me that, no, the victory of Jesus is in control, even over your body, over your feelings. So it's been so great. And I feel like I've been released into new power in that area of my life. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Hello. I can be serious, I swear. Um, You're not getting a journal for this one. <laughs> so as you know, I just graduated. Then there's that, you know, thing of what, what's my next job? And everyone's asking, what am I doing next? And I feel like no one's celebrating me and all those kind of insecurities that happen <laughs> during this. Uh, except I'm out. Right now. I'm done. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's a the typical sending out resumes, starting that thing. And I was looking for a job. I was looking for a social media kind of marketing job, and I saw this ministry that I'd never heard of called the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews needed a social media person. 
it was a Monday night. They'd post the job on Sunday. The next day, I get a call. The day after that, I get an interview. The week after that, I have another interview. And that night, they give me the job. And yeah. um, just awesome. with transitioning out of my old job and this, and this, even hearing them, they said I was the first person they interviewed. Usually, interview processes take like three months because of the way their HR works. And they were really surprised that it went this smoothly. And I was just... Um, I was kind of afraid that because I had this moody theology background, it would be like a black mark in the, in the, the secular wasteland of Chicago. No, I'm kidding. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Um, but God provided something that uses my theology background, and I didn't want to work in a really Christian environment because I really want to be in the world, so it uses my theology background. It's a non-Christian environment, or it's a mixed environment, and so he just kind of provided this perfect opportunity that I didn't even know existed. And um, they paid more than I asked for. I underballed myself, and they. Um, so it's Sweet. just. Um, it's awesome. Really cool. Thank you. It's awesome. Oh, keep going. And at the staff meeting, they said because donations are a little down, they're freezing all hiring. So I got in at just the right time. So Woo. yeah. Nice. All right, Rick. Last one, and then I'm cutting you off. So I already feel my emotions starting to well up. <clears throat> Uh, so Steve preached a message maybe like four weeks ago, and the question he asked was, does your view of who Jesus is hinder or allow for the supernatural to operate in your life? And uh, I remember leaning over to my wife and saying, wow, that's a really good question. And so I, I sat there thinking about it, and I thought, I don't think it allows. I think it hinders. Well, after that message was over, um, Claire over there, um, in her lovely Jamaican accent, said, Rick, I have a question for you. And um, she, thank you, hi buddy, she, she asked me, um, have I ever prayed to ask God if he would heal my arm? And I said, uh, yeah. I've done that before. Uh, I I became a believer in 93, and it was in my early years as a believer asking. And and, and I said, but I I haven't in a long time. And she asked why. And so I kind of thought there for a second, and I thought, um, I think I'm afraid. I'm afraid to. I'm afraid of being disappointed. I'm afraid of all the, maybe the lies I'm believing. Um, uh, as I thought about it throughout that week and probably for the last month now, um, I, I've also thought, well, if, if God would heal my arm, not much would really change. I, I guess I'd be able to walk on my hands and, cla- <laughs> and clap. Um, I, I pretty much do everything with, with one and a half. And, uh, but I believe God's been speaking to me about this and, um, to, to kind of paint a picture of what he's been saying, my brother was very content in being single for the rest of his life. And uh, when he was in college, he said, one weekend, it seemed like everyone left. And he was in his dorm room by himself. And in that moment, he was like, whoa, I think there might be something to getting married. And so he, he really started uh, praying about that. And he felt that getting married was an act of obedience. Hmm. And so I think maybe that might be what God might be saying to me. He might be saying, well, I want to do this, and you need to be on board with this too. So um, 
the thing that's happening now is just like a heart change. And so I'm just trying to seek the Lord and, and submit to that. And so, uh, yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. Thanks. It's been an amazing series so far. It's been an amazing series so far, and it's not because it's a preaching series, and it's not because some guys have thought of something, it's because God, it's because when God moves in the way he says he's going to move, through and in the people he says he's going to move through and in, his goodness comes, and amazing things happen, supernatural ministry of Jesus, not as a buzzword, not as a seven-step book of sales job stuff, but as the honest heart, supernatural ministry of a good God. You know, Steve started us off three weeks ago, preaching throughout this series, and he started us off with a very uh, interesting idea, a biblical idea, the idea that God has his people on a journey. And it's a journey to what? It's a journey towards our inheritance, Steve, Steve showed us from Scripture. And that inheritance question brings up something very interesting because I think a lot of us as believers think, oh, yeah, I'm on a journey to my inheritance. My inheritance is heaven. Absolutely, I'm on a journey to heaven. And what we see from Scripture is, well, heaven's actually not our inheritance because we already have it. Heaven is secure. Yes, it is a, a, a destination, but our inheritance speaks of something greater right now in the moment. And that inheritance is the opportunity and the privilege of partaking with God through the power of the Holy Spirit in continuing the supernatural ministry of Jesus right now. That there are things that we as individuals and people can ste- and as a church, excuse me, can step into that God has for us in accordance of partnering with him. And Steve asked a very uh, important question about what is the fuel for that journey to our inheritance? And it's the notion of Jesus intends for us to continue the supernatural ministry that he began. Jesus invites us to continue partnering with him in that supernatural ministry. That's the fuel. Chris then continued two weeks ago with a couple of truths from Scripture that that I just find are so key. The first of which is the amazing truth uh, that the Apostle Paul spends all of chapter 1 of Ephesians talking about. And it's this truth that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And all of the amazing spiritual blessing that we have, the fullness of the lavish riches of God's grace and mercy poured out upon us because we are in Christ. It's the idea that our identity our salvation, our security, who we are, everything about us, all of that is completed, full, and finished, and sealed because, as Colossians says, our life is with Christ in God. It's done and spoken for. That's your identity when you are a believer in Christ. We are in Christ. And that was the first thing that Chris rested on uh, two Sundays ago. The second truth is, is perhaps even more amazing, and that is that not only are we in Christ, But Christ is in us. That God the Son, Jesus Christ, who is himself fully God, 
promised unto us the Holy Spirit, who is himself fully God, to come and indwell us as believers in him. And in that way, Christ is in us. And Christ is not in us to hang out. Christ is not in us because it completes the slogan, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Christ is in us for the very reason of continuing the ministry that Jesus started while he was here on earth in the flesh. And what did he say that was? To seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save that which is lost. To continue in the ministry of bringing salvation. And we know from scripture that salvation doesn't just speak of, doesn't just speak of a heavenly destination, although it does. It speaks of a fullness of salvation. That Greek word sozo, meaning saved, healed, and delivered. Christ in us for the purpose of partnering with him through the power of the Holy Spirit to continue his supernatural ministry. Me in Christ speaks of my position. Christ in me speaks of my commission. And that rhymes so you know it's true. (laughs) Me in Christ speaks of my position. Christ in me speaks of my commission. Mark, last week, continued the series by reminding us of an amazing, astounding, incredibly, hilariously, wonderful, perfect truth, and that is that God the Father is eminently good, eminently good, that God is a good God, and the evidence of that, the, 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 the final verdict of that, of the question of God's goodness is answered in the person of Jesus Christ, whom a good God sent, as Philippians says, fully in the flesh, that Jesus Christ didn't consider his equality with God something to be held onto, but came and took the form of human flesh, the form of a servant, and came unto earth. All the goodness of God is answered right there. And Jesus' work on the cross to abolish not only our sinfulness, but the power of sin itself. You see, my sinfulness, the account of my sinfulness can be abolished, but the consequences of it can still remain. But Jesus, through the cross, not only abolished the position of my sin, he abolished the consequential power that sin had over my life. And all questions about the goodness of God are answered there. And it's been an outstanding preaching series so far, in my opinion, from these three guys, Steve, Chris, and Mark. And today, we take the preaching down a notch and... I just want to say, if anything is clear, it's this. If, you've heard, if, you, if anything has not been clear, let's clarify it now. The world is badly broken and in need of salvation. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully God, to bring salvation. Jesus loves you and me so much that after his human ascension away from earth happened, he promised unto us the Holy Spirit, who is fully God, to be with us, indwell us, empower us, and come alongside of us. So if you've taken nothing from the series so far, take this. God intends you to continue the supernatural ministry of Jesus. God intends you to continue the supernatural ministry of Jesus. And when I say you, you know who I mean? Yeah, you guys. From everybody who's looking at their phone to checking the weather to looking right at me, everybody, 
Everybody is intended to continue the supernatural ministry of Jesus. So I just want to say I've enjoyed watching us as a body sort of explode into ministry these last, these last three weeks. And for that reason, I'm actually not going to preach for very long today. Some of you are like, you've already lied right there, James. You've gone on too long. But we're not going to actually preach for, for long because I want us to have a time of ministry. I want us to, I, I, sorry, not just I want. My sense from the Lord is that there is much to be had for us as a family in a time of ministry. And we're going to be going after more of that today in faith and more and more and more and more, not just today. Not because it's a good idea or not because in the lexicon of what to do next in the preaching series, it was like, oh, this, but because it's the intention of a good God. Yeah? You guys okay? It's good. But before we jump into ministry, I want to address two quick things. And the reason why I want to address them is in sort of this taking stock moment, as I've been praying for us as a church and I've been praying about today, I feel like there are possibly two wrestling things that are happening right now that cut in to disqualify us from this idea of partnering with Jesus to continue his supernatural ministry. There are two reservations And I think we need to name them today, and then we're going to, wait for it, cancel the reservations. (laughs) Once a server, always a server. (laughs) But there's two reservations, I think, that that, that, all, all of the things that are bubbling up in our heart of fear and anxiety, I think, can be attributed to two things. The first is a reservation about God's goodness. That is a reservation about the giver of the gift himself. A reservation about God's goodness. Have you ever had someone uh, that you don't trust or you don't like try to give you something? Yeah, it's kind of it's icky. About a year ago, um, someone, I don't know who, put my phone number down for a cash payday loan advance place. Uh, I don't know where. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere... I start getting texts and calls daily, sometimes like 20 to 25 a day, from people who who thought my name was John. The guy who did it, his name was John, and he put my phone number down. And these guys would call me and just be like, John, hey, got a great offer for you. You know, we want to hook you up with this. We want to yada, 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 yada. And I was just like, it was driving me insane. It was driving me nuts. And it's happened in sort of swells over the last year. And there's just nothing I can do about it because I don't know where it originated. I can't block my entire phone from being reached but basically if an unidentified number calls me I assume it's that and my name has sort of changed through the whole process too it used to be John now it's my uh, then it was Mike and recently I've been Nina Nina Um, and so uh, a couple weeks ago there was a uh, there were some car dealerships in the suburbs who were hitting me up as Nina because they have great terms for me on a uh, on financing on leasing some some Fords and Toyotas and stuff, to the point where I finally started answering my phone like this a couple of weeks ago. You can ask my wife. I would answer it if I didn't know the number. I would say, hello, this is not Nina. <laughs> and a couple of times the people were like, uh, 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 oh, uh, sorry. Or people would leave me a voicemail to my voicemail greeting that says, hello, you've reached James. Sorry, I can't come to the phone. Nina, hey, come on out to Libertyville. And Here's the thing, when someone's giving a gift, the character of the giver speaks to the veracity of the gift. Veracity meaning it's truthfulness, 
Webster's defines veracity as the habitually truthful, the, 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 the hitting of the mark, the reality of something. The character of the giver speaks to the veracity of the gift. So if we have reservations about God's goodness, we're going to have reservations about his gifts. And I want to say this, the, same, the same reverse is also true. If we're settled in God's goodness, we'll be settled in the goodness of his gift. If God is good, then his gifts are good. If God is perfect, his gifts are perfect. Loving, loving, holy, holy, righteous, righteous, down the ticket. The character of God determines the essence of the gifts that he gives. And oh, by the way, we've seen the gifts that God gives to us are fully God himself. The person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, who is God himself. So right at the core of God's character is his goodness. And at each gift that he gives, the person of Jesus, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's not only giving a gift like it's a thing, he's giving a person who's himself and who's good. So let's settle our reservation about God's goodness. Just briefly from scripture, let's look. And don't turn there because they're going to fly up behind me and we're going to zoom a little bit because I promised you I wouldn't preach long. But in Matthew 7, verse 9, Jesus speaking to his listeners says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is settling the issue of God's goodness. And God has cornered the market on it. God's cornered the market on goodness. And oh, by the way, the price of getting from God is asking. Can you afford that? The price of getting from God is asking. Over in John 16, Jesus speaks more about what this gift, who this gift is going to be from God. Verse 7 Jesus says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus the Son, given of God the Father, is the giver of the Holy Spirit. So much so that he states, it's actually better for him to not earthly be here. It's better for the Holy Spirit to be here. Why? For the purpose of continuing his supernatural ministry through us, the church. Then lastly, just briefly from Acts 1, when Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak of. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And down in verse 8, after some questions from those who were listening about Jesus restoring the kingdom, Jesus again says, just wait. That's not for you to know, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not bait and switch from an ungood God. It's just not. I'm not up here peddling a gadget or like one of those elixirs in the Wild West. Uh, you know, the, we, we, we pulled our wagon into town and we're selling rain beads or something. We're just, it's just not that. It's just not. Because the character of the giver speaks to the truthfulness of the gift. And I want to say, if you're wrestling with the possibility of God hanging you out to dry, 
or God pulling the rug out from under you, or if, if you, as you're stepping out, wanting to minister in faith, wanting to ask, wanting to listen to God, wanting to pray for people, wanting to step into all of the inheritance that God has for you, if what's holding you back is this notion that God is actually going to flip it around on you and embarrass you, I want to say, if that reservation is there, in Jesus' name, I believe he's beginning to cancel that right now. In Jesus' name. Let it fall away. Cancel that reservation. Let it fall away. Because all of God's goodness questions have been answered. You know, maybe, maybe you don't have a reservation about the giver. Maybe the giver you really are excited about. And maybe it's the receiver of the gift that you have a reservation about. I tend to be more in this camp. It's a reservation about me who's receiving God's gift. A reservation about my own inadequacies, my own shortcomings, my own failures and imperfections. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't feel worthy of? Or that you felt was like the gift was great until you got it? Ever been in that position? Maybe probably not as much as being given a gift from someone who you didn't trust, but this one happens too. I couldn't really think of an example of this, so I'll stretch one for you. When I was at Palm Beach Atlantic University, I was studying music theater and Christian ministry, just like everybody. And um, I was double majoring, and one of the things I had to do for my music theater degree was I had to take dance classes. And I was trying to find dance classes that would fit my skill and my appropriate embarrassment level. And one determining factor drove me to find what dance classes I need to take. And that was... What dance classes was Jesse Thielen taking? (laughs) Jesse Thielen, she's got a different last name now, was an awesome dancer. She was a dance major, and I was shamelessly going after her. So I had to take dance classes, so, you know, I mean, right? Am I right? So I decided, I found myself in intermediate ballet. But I got to partner with Jesse Thielen. And you know how you kind of like, remember, remember whenever like you're picking teams for something or whatever, and you just kind of inch them wherever you need to be? Like I would just kind of inch right behind, and, and the teacher would just be like, uh, James and Jesse. I'm like, okay, cool. That's sweet. Hi. Hi. How's it going? But I have to say, as I was partnering with her, I felt completely out of my league. <laughs> and I was. But, but. There was goodness in the partnering because 110% of everything rested on her. (laughs) And I want to say that in a sort of stretched, that's a weirdly romantic analogy. When we partner with God, we don't partner to, uh, we don't receive the gift to accomplish. We don't receive the gift of of the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish. We receive it to partner. We receive it to partner with the one, we receive him to partner with the God who already has the authority, already has the victory. You know, when, when, when we read at the end of Matthew in the Great Commission, and Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He starts it off in, 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 in verse 18. And then he says to his disciples, therefore, go into all the world. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded to you. That's great, except right now we have a separation so far. We have someone with all the authority and a group 
who has to do all the doing. And it's a part. Until Jesus says what he says at the end. Until he says, and I am with you. To the very end of the age. I'm with you. You see, the idea of continuing the supernatural ministry of Jesus in our own strength or our own merits or because of our own accomplishment or strengths or strategies or skills or you fill in the blank is absolutely dishearteningly crippling. Is it not? There are reservations about us as the receiver of the gift until we remember the heart of the good God who, as he says in Deuteronomy 31, will never leave you, never forsake you. It's always been his cry. This is not just a New Testament thing. In chapter 4 of Zechariah, the angel of the Lord says to Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by by my spirit, says the Lord. In Exodus 3, when Moses, the most obvious verse in all of Scripture, sees the burning bush, and the verse says, and Moses went over to it to see why it was not burning up. I'm like, great, I understand Scripture. And Moses and God begin to have a conversation. And God quite literally introduces himself to Moses. And after he introduces himself to Moses, this is way at the beginning of the the Old Testament. God introduces himself to Moses and then commands and commissions Moses to obey in going and freeing his people from from, uh, Egypt. And all this happens in one chapter and all of Moses' questions Deal with God. Well, what about me with this? God, what about me with this? Well, what if I stutter? What if they argue? What if, they, what if it's a Tuesday at three and they're hungry? And what if, like, all this stuff and all of Moses' questions deal with God, what about me? And God's answer to every one of them is Moses, I am. So the answer to the reservations that you and I carry about our own ability to accomplish in the kingdom of God, stop it. Stop it. And I preach that to myself most of all. Stop it. Because I am, says the Lord. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We've just seen simply and quickly, just a cursory glance at Scripture to find God's heart about us as the receiver of the gift. So I want to say, if you're wrestling with the risk of obeying God or trusting him or listening to him because of somehow your merits coming into play, if that reservation exists, I just want to invite you to cancel it. I just want to invite you to cancel it. I've gone on longer than I I thought I would. It's you testimony people. I was like, what is that? must have been like an hour of testimonies. Listen, I'm going to be very honest with you. I Sometimes... When someone's preaching up here or kind of leading a time of ministry, we kind of function on the assumption that they exactly know everything that's going on. I just want to say to you, I'm listening in the midst of this as much as you are. But I've got faith today, and I have a sense that the Lord wants to do amazing things among us. I have faith that there are people here who have questions about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we're going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's people here who want to be healed. There's people like Rick who want to be healed. There's people who are carrying things right now that we don't even know about who want to be healed and we want to pray for you. There's people who are caught in things that are unseen. Depression, anxiety. And even right now, I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that there would be just this melting of anxiety down to peace and a raising of doubt up to faith. 
sort of mountains low and valleys raised. And I just want, to, I just, just want you to be patient. Let's bear with one another as we're going to pray. You guys good to, to pray and minister for, for a little bit? Yeah, good. good. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more messages at churchinthecity.us or on iTunes.